Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And welcome to Stranger Things with Jay Tack and Mike. My name is Jay. My name is Mike. And I'm Fat Rambo. And welcome to the show. Yes, we are here. Uh, we Earlier in the week, we did the first four chapters of Stranger Things 3. And we are here to close out uh, the third season of Stranger Things with the final so four chapters. So watched the final four episodes. Yeah, uh, Jack. So, yeah, you were the kind of the... Uh, the straggler yeah exactly slacker but uh what did you think i hated it couldn't stand it oh stop you said your your mood was okay in the first two episodes picked up in the last two and then it just seems like it completely fell off a cliff or fell down an elevator shaft in the last four is that what you're saying i I think it's what no i loved it i thought it was great um yeah i thought very very entertaining kind of kind of sad kind of you know kind of sad kind of well, I'm, 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 I'm. The people of Hawkins, they get over death like there's no. I mean, it's like, okay, my brother's dead. Hey, let's go have fun. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there was, there's the grieving process three months yeah. after everything occurred in the epilogue was, uh, it, it ran the spectrum of mourning. I do agree with that. Well, what's, I what's, think... her, what's her, what's the girl that we all Max? always think? Uh, no, the first one, the first season where she died and nobody seemed. Oh, to... Barb. Barb. Uh, huh. Barb. Barb, yeah, Barb. It's, it's, it's that Barb. I think it's a Barb syndrome in that town. It's like, okay, they are very important to us, but I don't care anymore. I do wonder, though, considering that, you know, in this instance, what, like 30 people or so died, including yeah. Hopper, to the point where you had that sort of salacious... Alleged, alleged, allegedly. Yeah, but you had that, like, salacious expose on them where they said they died in this mall fire. It turns out it was for a very different type of reason, even though the creature involved... They were technically involved in the mall, just maybe not in their uh, necessary solid form. <laughs> but I do wonder if this is going to obviously the status quo of, of Stranger Things is going to be affected no matter what moving forward. But I wonder how much like the town of Hawkins is really going to view themselves. Because to your point, Jack, it did seem like after season two, everything just sort of got like swept under the rug in one year out the other with all like yeah. the government shutting down Hawkins lab. But this time, like nearly three dozen people died. Are, and- are they going to forget about that? And I consider myself pretty mentally tough, but I'm, I I would have to have therapy after everything I've gone through, you know, what these kids go through. And, and no, no, there. I mean, I know it's the 80s and, you know, just rub some dirt on it. But no, I think uh, I, I think maybe you're selling them all short, Jack, because I, I, I feel like they are feeling uh, I mean, they were all crying 
uh, when they were saying goodbye. Oh, saying uh, goodbye, I, that's it. But, it's like, but I, okay. I think there's still... But there's, there's a chance you're going to see that person again. You're never going to see that person but I think you assume that, that it's way... I mean, it's uh, Joyce is leaving uh, because, you know, there's nothing left for her there with Hopper dead. So I feel... And then you have Eleven, that emotional reading the letter, which is probably when I cried the most uh, when was, she read was Hopper's very, letter. That, that was a good... If, if Hopper is truly dead, I think he got a hero send-off. Uh, I thought that was great, um, but I, I don't think he's dead. I yeah, don't think anybody think, does. Yeah, I was gonna say we're all. This is a podcast. We're all pretty much in agreement that we don't think he's dead, right? No, right. Well, it it, it it's the classic uh, TV movie rule. If you don't see them die, right. you have to assume he's still alive. Right, and, I, and you could assume that like, oh, well, they said that the explosion would like vaporize him immediately, and we saw that happen to those people in the hazmat suits, but. I don't know. And you also have to feel like we talk about this a lot on the podcast that I do with Josh as well, that I feel like the Duffer brothers really love the cast that they work with to the point where like Hopper, no offense, Billy, but Hopper really feels like the first like major death of the series. It really seems Mm -hmm. like our ensemble has just been ballooning every season up until this point. You have to feel like they want to keep David Harbour on. right? And now Mike's forgot about Barb, but that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> and and maybe you know maybe maybe he'll appear in flashbacks like Bob did in the beginning of the season, or maybe he'll like appear as a a figment in Eleven's imagination like Brenner did last season. I don't know. There could be creative ways to do it, but I just feel like I feel like they would not do that to Hopper, who has been such an integral part of the show from the very beginning. What well, I was I w- trying to do is I, the, the actor, the, the the Russian prisoner actor that got fed to the the monster at the end, I was trying to see if he was in any other episodes, which he wasn't. And I was trying to think, was he in the final scene? Was he there? Maybe he yeah. got, they, maybe they got set into the, uh, uh, the upside the, down, uh, the upside down world. Maybe that's what happened when, but I, I have, I can't find that Russian guy anywhere well, in the, I, I, I don't recognize him in the, uh, well, there's... I think maybe him and Hopper got sucked into the upside down world. Well, there's a few major theories, I think. There's, or at least some different variants of it. And um, one of them is, you know, maybe he ran down the other side, and then as the Russians, we assume, were leaving or getting out of there, uh, they took, they found Hopper and took him with him. That's probably the s- most realistic, I guess you could say. Maybe not realistic, but in this sense. Uh, the other one is you see him looking at the portal and then looking back at Joyce. So maybe he like jumped through the portal and the upside down, and then the Russians on wherever that was in Russia had their own opening to the portal, and then they found him and then took him through. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what I believe is happening. And then yeah, the and other I, one I, was is maybe one? when it blew, like it 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 transported him to Russia or something. But. That's my theory because I feel like it would not be too strange if they went with a similar thing of what happened to Eleven. Between mm-hmm. seasons one and two, because I feel like it was a very similar type it of was, thing. It was very right? similar. Obviously, yeah, obviously not with nearly as much emotional heft, but it's like, oh man, Eleven's gone. The characters all thought Eleven's gone. Surprise, surprise, uh, beginning of episode two of season two, it turns out that no, she just ended up in the Upside Down, I guess, with the Demogorgon. Uh, she may have to do that again very soon in Stranger Things, but it could be a thing where, you know, maybe with the key, quote-unquote, closing the gate, Hopper sort of got blasted through there and some portion of the season is going to be him struggling in the upside down. Maybe we'll see more of the upside down. We really didn't see any of it this True. season outside of, you know, the mind flayers army talking to Billy and the, and the like, you will build it. 
you know, we will mm-hmm. come type of moment. <laughs> yeah, because there's um, the other thing too to think about him going through the portal is he would be through the portal in the upside down in I guess the equivalent of the upside down Hawkins, Indiana. I don't know if this works the same way, but then I would assume if they have a portal in Russia, that w- it would still be the same distance, right? If 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 all is the same, I mean, it's yeah, a different. When, do you think universe, oceans but... exist in the upside down, or do you think it'd just be like one big landmass for him I, to walk? I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the distance is to walk from Hawkins, Indiana, to Russia. Maybe maybe the uh, well, he, what is well it, they the were trying to make the walk open. from you know to there to Illinois, so. <laughs> right um and uh i i love all the theories i think there's some to me it was i didn't see him when they had like the pan away shot of uh the portal as it's almost blowing up or the key thing almost blowing up i was like oh, i don't see him and then where you joyce, show the other joyce, people where joyce took her time and then billy could have been saved if she just would have done a little sooner <laughs> and then uh well she could she couldn't get a grip on the key and it was in slow-mo so it, let's not there's also a lot of people that are really ticked off at Susie that they're blaming her the, for Hopper's don't death. Be I don't think it's off fair. At Susie. She I had agree. nothing. She had no idea yes, what was happening. She I agree. thought, okay, my I'm ticked off. My boyfriend hasn't called me in a week, so I'm gonna torture him, not realizing that like yes. you know, when if someone called you and said, Oh yeah, it's the end of the world, uh granted these circumstances might be very different nowadays, but I think you'd say like, What are you oh, you're pulling my leg. Let me, you know, catch up with you a bit. Yeah, I am more so I, I'm on the side back in the, the hate on Susie. What? Stop it. Come on, what? man. I, 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 no, if you want to blame anybody, blame she, Murray uh, for not if, getting the Planck's constant right in the first place. He thought he amen. knew it, and it was mess up. Okay, so there's a lot of people to blame for, for uh, Billy's death. <laughs> or, I, I would, I, or I could blame Hopper for feeling like he needs to count to three to turn the key, because apparently every time he counts to three... In episode seven and eight, like this, this uh, Russian guy just comes in and kicks yeah. his or ass. Or blame one, Hopper for not two. breaking the number one rule in killing the bad guy. You shoot for the head, not the chest. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. <laughs> so, th- no, no hate on Susie. There's well, plenty I, of blame to go fair, around. Do you want a bunch of brain all over the the, the rides and stuff like that? <laughs> it's that's kind of gross. But I think the, or at least the main thing where people are thinking he's definitely still alive. And when I when I saw it the first time, I saw that episode, the the kind of post credits or mid credit roll where they said not the American. I think everybody yeah. assumed that would be Hopper. But I've also seen um, where people think it's uh, Papa or whatever the doctor. Uh, yeah, Doctor uh, Brenner, the the uh, Matthew character. Oh, you know, it could be him. Um, because again, that was kind of we didn't see him die either. Yeah. But I would we, hope and it's we, Hopper. And we did see in that episode from last season that nobody likes to talk about that. Like, didn't I think Eleven and her sister like hunted down yes. one of the guys that was in Hawkins, and he said that Brenner was still, still alive. alive. So he might not be talking out of his ass. One thing that I found was an interesting indicator, and I don't know if this is purposeful or not, but you know, there's so much to be said about the soundtrack of stranger things, but mm-hmm. the final montage ends with, uh, ends with yes. the song heroes, which is a David Bowie song, but it's covered by Peter Gabriel. That's not the first time this cover mm-hmm. has appeared though. It also played at the end of the third episode of season one, where there's a whole montage of 
what they think was Will's body being, yep. you know, exhumed from this quarry. Oh, that's right, yeah. And when Mike comes home to hug his mom and, you know, Jonathan and Joyce uh, embrace, like, in the middle of the road when she's running away from what she thinks is the monster. And the theming behind that episode, remember, was, like, we thought one ca- a character was dead and he wasn't. So yep. I wonder if that's sort of, like, now become the thematic song on behalf of the <laughs> Duffer Brothers to sort of tip off the audience as to, like, everything is not as it seems. It's... I, I would... I thought so, um, but it's also some really cool cover that works really well. Yeah. <laughs> but well, yes, the weird I, thing is that it's from like 2010 though, so yeah. that makes it really stick out as well. Is because there's no other. This is not like Westworld where we got like honky tonk covers of so many popular <laughs> songs for so long. So that was the one thing that really stuck out to me. Though maybe they'll be using it more, uh, especially as we start segueing out of the 80s and into the 90s. So, do you think we're going to get into the 90s and Stranger Things? I mean, it's the tough question. I mean, I don't know if we ever thought we'd get out of the 60s in Mad Men, and I'm pretty sure we got there by we're the close. final we're season. In, we're in 85, right? 85. Yeah, so, so I guess it depends on, you know, they depending on when the season's filmed, they do like to, you know, uh, air it as alongside their cast. You know, I think even though their cast has gotten a good amount older, this season show has only taken, taken place over like two to three years. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe by the time things end, if they do get a season four or a season five or a season six, we could be looking like at 88 or 89. So if, if Hopper is alive and it's say this, we come back, it's a year and a half later, two years later, is Joyce remarried? I mean, if you want to kind of maybe keep the whole I mean, Sam and Diane thing going on, that's probably how you yeah. do it, right? Does she marry uh... Murray? Why would she oh, marry Murray? I, I don't know. They, they, they seem to have some kind <laughs> you, of... You don't marry a man who doesn't know Plank's constant, Jack. That's a rule of thumb. <laughs> he can always call a young well, TV Kate. A well-known uh, a deal breaker in the 80s. <laughs> That'd be so... I mean, I'm my heart goes out for Joyce. She's one of the unluckiest characters. Yes. Basically, since like Nora Durst from The Leftovers, I don't think have we seen a less or uh, more unlucky character I know. in... Uh, in television so i i wish her all the best but you have to imagine that now she's like she's gonna keep lighting the candle for hopper right do you really think she's gonna move on after she's lost two one boyfriend and one like near boyfriend in a row well she's still young attractive i mean i I don't know well she's moving to a new town we don't know what town they're moving to right no do you guys have any guesses as to where you think the buyers plus l would go well, I, I guess where's the nearest big city? Probably yeah, in Indianapolis. Probably, probably Chicago. Yeah, probably Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah. Chicago would be cool because there's there's obviously the '80s influence, and then you have the John Hughes influence, which like all of his stories are based in Chicago. So I think that would be a neat. She, she marries Uncle Buck. Oh God. <laughs> Rest in or uh, we will see Jonathan like become the John Bender like figure in the Breakfast Club. <laughs> or, actually, I think he'd be, I think he'd be more like the Ali Sheedy character in the Breakfast Club scenario <laughs> yes. that they're going to go for here. Yeah, probably there you go. <laughs> so I think Chicago's a good guess because I feel like you can. There's Ferris Bueller stuff you could do. Like there's just a lot of. Again, they love they love tapping the '80s well, and I think there's a lot of good options uh, for Chi Town. Yeah. Plus, outside of that one episode, again, that people don't talk about, <laughs> it's been all a small town horror stuff. We've been barely seen any like big city mm-hmm. stuff, to your point, Jay. And it really does seem like, especially this season, 
I think I said this in our last podcast, but I think they've really expanded what they've been, you know, uh, referencing from 80s horror to just 80s pop culture in general. So I think that's a great point that, you know, I wouldn't say that Ferris Bueller and 16 Candles and all that (laughs) stuff is necessarily horror, but considering that we're getting like new Coke ads and music videos to the never ending story in Stranger Things, I think we've sort of like pushed those limits already. I did like the debate when when, uh, Lucas was drinking the, the new formula, the new Coke. And of course, Mike... Was angry about it, but uh, well, how do you drink that? Well, can I, I can I ask about that because I I initially was not a fan of it because it really felt like it was just like an underlining commercial, like oh, you know, the, I mean they as Jay brought up last time they brought out new Coke uh, again for this. It really felt like they had to pay lip service to Coke, and so they really underlined the point, maybe overly so in this scene, but. From what I've been reading up on, and this is just due to my own, you know, youth betraying me here, were people like legitimately having those types of debates when oh, New yeah. Coke came out? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Eighty-five. The whole, the New Coke thing is just a really fascinating. It was almost another civil war. I and, mean, it, and, was, it, and was, it was bad. Jack is generally hyperbolic, but he's actually accurate in this situation. Like it became. Uh, a like because uh, Coca-Cola is a southern drink so like southern people were like ticked off that they were taking on this Yankee Pepsi style take like it was on so many on so many levels the whole new Coke thing uh, was insane Uh, and one of my favorite things at the World of Coke exhibit in Atlanta Georgia is they have like a whole section uh, or a part of the section about New Coke and just the the absolute backlash that happened in two months. Like, within two months, they had to bring back Coke class or the original formula. Um, Plus, and... I think it worked in the show because Mike is angry anyway. <laughs> so it, 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 was, it, was, it was perfect for him to be the one complaining about it. But I yeah, love... Well, pl- well, plus, okay. Lucas always seems to be like, at least this season, with someone who's just been very aloof especially in his relationship with Max. So it also yes. makes sense that he'd be like, God, this new Coke is awesome. Everyone yeah. thinks so, right? But I love <laughs> it because it also parallels, I think, uh, it was one of those, you know, it was a pre-internet thing where there's a whole bunch of backlash to a change. Um, and it's something that you see, especially in nerd culture a lot, where uh, a reboot or something will happen and then everybody gets ticked off because you're ruining my childhood. Um, Jay, you'd have to go pretty far under the sea to see if there's any controversies <laughs> like that coming up nowadays. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I didn't Twitter. find it as an ad. Like <laughs> I found it as a very uh, allegorical uh, representation of uh, you know. I love how he tied it to uh, the original thing, to the remake of thing. Um, and then there's also I think arguments that people make about the you know season one of Stranger Things to. Uh, season two like i feel like it had a lot of good subtext that while it was kind of maybe seemed like a fun aside but i i thought it was a neat uh little back and forth that was what what i was thinking okay uh 11 could do better than mike because he cares more about the new formula than her chopped up leg and you know (laughs) cut up leg and stuff like that and so i said you know she's bleeding of course they left the blood all over the uh, floor and stuff like that but i i said come on mike lighten up well, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, he was trying to find his he was distracted. He he wanted to find the time to tell his girlfriend that he loved her. So I think he was looking for any sort of <laughs> eager distraction. And when it came to arguing with uh, with 
arguing Lucas. with Lucas over semantics, I think he was totally <laughs> well. I think when your girl, your girlfriend's laying there bleeding, that's usually the best time to say, you know what, I love you. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, because I mean, you can't. I mean, it's like okay, I, I, if you're gonna say it, you know, say something that's gonna comfort her. But maybe that would have freaked her out. I don't know. Again, I think we can Monday morning uh, quarterback this uh, as much as we oh, want. But Mike makes Mike makes a lot of mistakes. Well, he's Mike's, what is he Mike, 14, Mike, 15 in the show? Like yeah, and it's just and it's his first Mike's girlfriend, and Mike's I think he he makes mu- much fewer <laughs> mistakes than Lucas does. Yes. So I think he's. I think well, if we're, like you said, I don't think Lucas cares. But I think yeah. if we're power ranking boyfriends in relationships, <laughs> it's gonna be like Dustin one, Jonathan mm-hmm. two, Mike yep. three, Lucas four is probably how I would rank them. And Ted Wheeler, uh, I don't know, put him in at like negative one zero. <laughs> if he's either so good or so bad that his wife is like totally fine with the situation they're in they're in right now. <laughs> how about holding your daughter on the Ferris wheel when you're about four hundred feet up in the air? But yeah, that's it's okay. Uh, well, they were I mean, there were issues pretty... in between them. I wouldn't criticize. Why are we, why, why are we stopping up here? Because she paid him so they could sit and watch the fireworks because Nancy's romantic. Uh, I, I do hope that with the slightly extended role of Karen Wheeler this season, I really do hope we get more of Ted Wheeler as well, <laughs> whether it's just him playing him up more as a dingus. I was more like uh, surprised by the fact that it wasn't the Ferris wheel, that they took baby Holly into them into that Gravitron, which yes. is such a like a nasty, nasty yeah. type of ride if you're really susceptible to motion sickness. Well, maybe That's she true. isn't. I mean, maybe she's cool. I don't know. Like, I wasn't. I I love fairs, but was deathly afraid of carny rides. So I never really rode. I never rode a Gravitron. I never rode one of those things that kind of flips upside down Actually, and stuff like Mike that. Actually, Mike is like his dad because Ted married up, right? He married above his pay scale. And so you got to say the same thing with Mike, right? Well, we don't know. They, they may not stay married. Well, they're Who not knows? married, he's, but they're, now they're being he's, apart. He's going, he's, he's going out with someone that's above his pay scale. So I. <laughs> Um, and Mike, but, yeah. if you're listening, I, 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 I'm just speaking from the heart. Mike, this fictional character, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike would be probably what, like forty something. Like he'd be, he'd be nearly fifty nowadays. So Lord hopes <sighs> yeah, he has true. his life together by this point. That's a good. I don't point. know. He's probably still. He's probably. He's probably the old man yelling at the clouds. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so he's you, Jack. He, he is. But <laughs> I, I'm not. That. Is that why you give Mike our time? Were you, Mike? <laughs> No, I wasn't Mike. No, no. <laughs> um, I, I, there's no way I would yell at my parents. There's, I, I could not get away with that. There's no hey, way. I, I, was, I, I wasn't just about the kids in the 80s. He was just and, being you know, a, 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 a annoying teenager, to be honest. Like, yeah. It wasn't that bad. It, and also, the, these parents are not the most you know, attentive. I think yeah, Mrs. True. Wheeler's always there for a good pep talk. But, I mean, she said it at the carnival to Joyce of like, oh, yeah, the boys are around here somewhere. Where, again, they've been missing for what, like, three to five days at this point, just off on their own. Um, Do you yeah. think if Mrs. Wheeler was in charge of the key, she would have turned it faster since she had the hots for Billy? <laughs> well, I don't think she knew that Billy was, uh, right. uh, have any, I mean, I don't even think, uh, uh, Joyce knew. knew about Billy in that whole situation because they assumed that, uh, they were all going to Murray's, uh, place in Illinois. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think. Well, I don't know, because th- weren't they all on the same radio frequency? Oh, that's I mean, that's right. how Dustin yep. was able to embarrass yep. himself. So you can assume that 
when Griswold Family Codename said like, oh, <laughs> the the wire got taken out. We have to go back into the mall. That they yeah. would they would know about that. That's true. That's true. I did um, like Murray saying bald eagle. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, Jack, I'm very surprised you did not call in his bald eagle. I it, know. It, I figured you'd be making so it, many it, more comments about that. It, it, it was, but I, I, I had to go with Fat Rambo because it cracked me up. <laughs> bald eagle just made me cry. So uh, Should we, should <laughs> we give a quick uh, – I know we talked about, you know, we'll definitely talk about another dead character in Billy. We spent a lot of time on Hopper, deservedly so, because I thought no matter what uh, his fate is, I thought he had a really nice emotional yes. send-off. Uh, and he, he got a date with Joyce that uh, unfortunately didn't get acted upon. But should we talk about the rise and fall of poor Alexi, who became a very uh, quick fan favorite of season three? Yeah, that was that was tough, sure, especially because sure uh, we nickname our Alexander Lexi. Um, so uh, I, he was just a really fun character. Um, but I mean, I understand why he got killed. But there's just it was just really tragic uh, how it happened. Yeah. Because, you know, he's just, he's obviously, he comes in, he, uh, American culture, um, he's all about it. His, uh, he, it was a cherry uh, Slurpee was his preferred, Whoppers, yeah. Marble and, and Today is Slurpee Day. So. Yes. So uh, get, are you guys cherry or strawberry people? I'm blue. <laughs> Whatever blue is. <laughs> I like the cola strawberry. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not but a big fan of the formula stays, As long as the formula stays the original. You don't don't want to rant on new Coke. Cola uh, Slurpee. Slurpee's gross. I know some people love it, but to me it's just like I'd rather just get a soda instead of have a soda Slurpee. Yeah, like I, I, I don't think, I don't think I've had a Slurpee in like twenty years because they they're free today. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm surrounded by Seven Elevens. My wife goes, "Why don't you go get one?" I go, "I don't know." I, there's if a good Slurpee's really good, and there's not there's not a lot of Seven Elevens in North Carolina. I don't think there's any in Raleigh, but. Uh, uh, something magical about a Slurpee that a slushy or an icy or whatever, any other gas station uh, sheets, <laughs> AM, PM, whatever, just does not compare to gas station. The, the Slurpee uh, of, of 7-Eleven. Here's, here's a theory. You know that Alexi loved his Slurpees. There's that great shot, that's image that's been used so many times on the internet in the few weeks since stranger things came out of him you know sipping the slurpee in the back yep. seat as hopper talks about how he's a child murderer <laughs> we do know that the mind flare likes it cold could it be that maybe the mind flare had incepted alexi <laughs> this whole time without oh. anybody knowing it there you go uh, um i'm gonna say no but i think it's a fun theory i think that's well, isn't fun. it murray's fault that alexi died yeah, I will Kinda. say that, you know, Murray basically being like, ah, screw their orders. We're going to have you, this, you know, very rogue uh, Russian agent walk into the middle of this giant public place when we know that we're being tailed to have a good time, which is weird. Again, it feels a little out of character for Murray. Because Especially for Murray. Yeah, he's yeah. super. I mean, even like the, the, the two episodes beforehand, he like, you know, looked down the barrel of a gun. Yeah, Alexi. It is a little weird that he has a lapse in judgment here, though. I guess I would say the last two episodes are not not the best we've seen of Murray Bauman. He's I, great I, at I, setting people up, but not so great when it comes to these things. You know, he was anti-Russian, but he, he developed a friendship. Well, I think that's maybe with the Russian, can... and I think that's what threw him. That's what caught his guard, got his guard down. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think you could say the relationship that he developed with Alexi, uh, you know, his his heart 
his anti-Russian heart grew three sizes uh, yeah. that day. Maybe. Because, you know, it's like any of us who grew up in the 60s, 70s and 80s, we were you know, brought up to hate the Ruskies. And but when you met one, you go, oh, you're not bad. Um, so. But because he also had that uh, conversation with the Russian guard where he started. He's like, well, he was nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, invite him for a barbecue after this. Of course, this is after uh, Alexei got killed. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to remember because I know that Reddit had pointed out that Murray actually did say he had a theory there was a Russian spy in Hawkins in season mm-hmm. two. But did he talk about the fact that he had knew Russian in season two? I'm just trying to figure out how Hopper immediately thought of, OK, the first person I know Russian is Murray. Let me hop state lines to find him. It wasn't really dropped uh, last year. It, it, to me, if they knew they were going to have this plot line in season three they probably would have dropped a heavier hint in season two um because i i agree i i don't recall it uh so maybe we can just assume he they had a conversation about it outside of maybe know, they didn't know murray was on so screen popular. yeah uh, that's another and, thing yeah but as we talked about i think the duffers also in addition to you know keeping their cast relatively together and alive they also do like to you know take the gauge of the internet and see okay what's what uh what characters do people like that's how we got this whole like justice for barb storyline in season two mm-hmm. so i could i could very much see a thing of like oh yeah people were liking that that kooky murray character let's make him play a larger part in season three to the point where depending on where we go in season four he could become like he could become an erica he could become like a series regular i like him because i like when he went to joyce he goes i'm sorry is my free translation not good <laughs> enough for you <laughs> uh no he's 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 great. I I really enjoyed uh, all his. People kind are of... funny. They don't have to be always the villain. <laughs> they don't. I mean, this children, is children. Is... Remember Hollywood. The bald guy doesn't always have to be the bad guy. Uh, bald eagle. Um... And, he, he, and he also got like a little bit of a hero moment. Like last time, I think he was more so used as an accessory. Where you know mm-hmm. Nancy and Jonathan contacted him, and he was the instrument to help disseminate this information and get Hawkins lab shut down. But here he has his own little like die hard and Daisy Dukes moment yeah. where he gets to crawl through the air ducts and be mm-hmm. the one to, you know, put the key on the Fritz. And I thought for a second that Murray might die just because I was like, yes. okay, this is sort of the same thing with Billy. Like this is a minor enough character mm-hmm. that I could see them reasonably doing this to thin out the cast a little bit. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he stuck through because I really do love Brett Gilman. And I hope, you know, as weirder and weirder things happen on the show, you need someone who like is an expert in the weird to mm-hmm. guide us along. Right. And that's where Murray comes in. Yeah, I think uh, say I had the same thought because I was like, oh, once they added a third person, what, somebody can't come out of like they have to lose at least one person uh, in this. Uh, and they, and they did. They did, just not the one I I thought. Um, yeah, it was, it was the one guy who didn't want it to be a three person plan. I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, I, I Doug Murray, Alexi, he well, was well, awesome. Well, why why do you bring Joyce? Because you needed someone else to turn you the key. The is that two, yeah, yeah, you needed well, so two people on the key. The, yeah, the, the initial plan was okay. Two people are going to go. They're going to turn the keys and yeah. turn off the machine. But as yeah. Le- Alexi pointed out before he ended up, you know, doing the death march into the fun fair, he said, "Well, I mean, the thing about turning off the machine is that people can very easily turn it back on when all is said and done." And so he came up with this new idea to blow up the machine. And so right. the reason why it had to be three people is so two people turn off the machine and one person just futzes with a bunch of different pipes and things to make it go haywire. But here's, I guess, in retrospect, again, if we're going to blame people for different things, uh, you know, the cavalry came. Uh, Dr. Owens uh, did come maybe a 10 little, minutes. A little late. 
Yeah, a little a little late, but he was pretty close to whenever they did shut it off. It, it seemingly that was the case. Uh, maybe it, we don't know. Maybe it was ten hours late or something. But um, so they could have just shut it off and then assume that uh, you know Owens and the U.S. government again. That's maybe putting a lot of trust in. But Some. this is this is Stranger Things. Remember when they took over Hawkins' lab last season and they yeah. didn't close the gate? In fact, they opened it more to explore the upside That's down. True. That's true. I I also wonder when it comes to uh, Owen showing up at the last second, which like high ten second Paul Reiser cameo, yeah. <laughs> because we saw, you know, Jim call this really suspect number uh, with the quote unquote Philadelphia Public yeah. Library, and then Joyce sort of gives you know the. Uh, the typical older white lady customer service response yep. of like, I demand or the angry PTA manager. member. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the question is like, did Joyce's response speed them along even further? Do you think it like pushed, do you think they were pissed off about it and that prevented them from coming, you know, sooner? I think hers maybe got a move. Cause to me, she called back and the guy seemingly hadn't done anything. And then he was like, okay, all right, I'll get to it. Like, it seemed like that maybe it was more effective, but I, I they didn't really explore that too much, but I, that's how I assumed it. Just because the guy on the other end of the phone seemed more okay. I got to get my ass in gear. You know, ironically, Paul Reiser's uh, little clip, the little cameo there, lasted longer than his last sitcom. <laughs> Did he have another just, one after Mad About You? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It lasted. It lasted just about like that. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm kidding, Paul. Right? I love you, Paul. I loved you in uh, you know uh, what was that movie with. Uh, Aliens? Not, not, no, not Aliens. He was in a movie uh, with everybody. Uh, Gutenberg and... Uh, police Academy. Yeah. No, not Police Academy. No, 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 no. It was a serious right. movie. Um, uh, the Big Chill. No, it was about Baltimore. About Baltimore. What I'm drawing... drawing oh, like The that. Wire. No, no. <laughs> Oh, I'll, I'll remember it. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, the diner. I was gonna say it was about a diner. <laughs> if you haven't seen Diner, oh, Diner, go, go, okay, go see Diner. It's, it's great. It's anyway, got a, got, what's his name? The guy that had all the plastic surgery. Do we think he would, the the U.S. government and Dr. Owens, you know, or Hawkins Lab crew weren't really featured at all. They were kind of a non-player. Russians kind of filled in that part. Uh, but with him and the cavalry coming in at the end of this season. Do we assume they're going to be a big part in possibly Stranger Things 4 or 5? I think so. I don't know, actually. Because you have to think about, like, what is the status of Hawkins? And maybe, yes, if they feel like, okay, we really need to keep a lid on this place. Apparently, we can't turn our back without something wrong going here. Maybe. I feel like we're heading towards a Stranger Things season where things are more divided and we're spending mm-hmm. less time in Hawkins given, yep. given, you know, where the buyers are going. So I could see that as an excuse to not so much focus on that, you know, especially because to your point, Jay, if the Russians have replaced Hawkins lab as like the big government baddies. And yep. now it seems like we're set up for another season of them, at least why yeah. do we feel like we need to include the, the, the military as well? Well, because they have, a, a, we assume, an opening to the gate. Now, you could also say that Demogorgon they, that they got was from the Hawkins gate because we saw Erica seeing that big, you know, Jurassic Park-esque mm-hmm. cage um, that maybe they, they were transporting out Demogorgons from their open gate and then taking them to Russia. Um, or they have an open gate. I can't remember the town that they 
they showed it in Russia and they're taking uh, Kam- they're getting... Kamchatka, which I think is just like an area in Russia. Okay. Well, do the Ru- do the Russians and Americans work together? Because we're not we're not done with the upside down world. No, but I don't see no. the, so, the, the this was Cold War. The U.S. government's not working. Well, with the it, you know, they, this, you had you had the space station. You know, eventually they work together. So do they work together on this thing? Because it's something. It's it's something that come on. In real, if this was a real life, it, it's something that would be so curious that they'd still risk people's lives to find out what the, what. I think what it depends on the angle on. they're taking. I, I personally think the Russians are still going to be the big bad in season yeah. four, and I think what makes them. I mean, I think we can all admit that I think the Russians for being presented as like these big evil people in the cold open of the season were a little fuddy duddy in this season when we when push came to shove. They're a little more like. A little less uh, Blofeld and a little more Dr. Evil in mm-hmm. terms of the way they were operating things. Well, say goodbye to daylight. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 then, like, you know, uh, like, not noticing these people walking around in sailor suits, <laughs> uh, having, like, <laughs> one guy staff a comms room and get beaten easily. Uh, and then that's, tep- I don't like, typical 80s action movie things, but I think it's still fun to watch. But I think that the, what the post credit scene told me, besides the the American thing, is that, it seems like Russia, in my opinion, has is trying to or has already weaponized creatures from the upside down. And mm-hmm. I do think that this this is how they'll try to make an attack on the U.S. or on our characters is, uh, you know, utilizing these ghastly, monstrous creatures uh, to unleash hell. So I don't know if it'll be a, a Russia and America thing working together to you know stymie the upside down. I think it's now America versus Russia and the upside down. The thing that, and to you saying that maybe they they've they've weaponized these creatures, it would almost have to be for this demogorgon, right? And it may not, maybe it's evolved or something, but you know, season one demogorgon uh, is photosensitive. Um, it's it seems like it can go back and forth in between the upside down and uh, uh, the actual uh, Hawkins, um, and you know this. Demogorgon seems to be in a cage. Uh, their lights are on, even though it's kind of dimly lit. Uh, so, like, how are they able to control this thing more, or how have they figured out how to control it? Uh, I think it would be just an inter- interesting. Well, feed it, you know, give it its favorite meal, a little Russian every day. So, <laughs> right? little Russian always goes down easy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think it'll be. It'll be interesting to see in season four because they said, I remember when they were talking about season two, how they were looking at a bunch of sequels and their favorite sequels, like Empire Strikes Back, Aliens. Um, and, uh, but it, it, it almost ended more like a new hope where everything was somewhat neatly tidied up from the first season into season two. Whereas the end of season three is much more like uh, the midpoint in the classic hero's journey where mm. the team is split up, uh, it's kind of their darkest moment, uh, all these kinds of things, uh, and you don't know what the future is going to hold, um, and you know how are how are things going to go move forward from here, uh, or how do you well, get the team back together? And that's where I find season four. If it is going to be, maybe it's a Chicago story, a Russian story, and maybe still a little bit of Hawkins. Who knows? Um, but I'd be if, curious if, to see how that plays out. If Hopper's still alive. How do they find out? Is maybe that's, the, Ru- they, that's, maybe that's the Russian story. From, uh, More Russia? code! <laughs> <laughs> now that Robin seems to be like a permanent addition to the cast, uh, so, I would so not Robin, be surprised. Rob, that's her, Robin, her and maybe Susie Phoebe Cates figures it out too. So, 
And maybe that's what Murray's job will be. Maybe. Because they maybe. well they know he, they they think he's dead. They think yes. he was dead. So so this Hopper? guy's all the way in Russia, in a Russian prison, Russian gulag. If, how are they, if that's how him they, in there, if that's him. Well, if it's, if it's not, will you be? If if he is truly dead, will you guys be disappointed? Um. Or did he get enough to send off? I mean, this was, if you look back on it, I would say that the Jim Hopper character was really drawn to extremes one way or the other. Like, I feel like the first few episodes, he was like the, I say this on the other podcast, he's more of like the angry sitcom dad. Like, he was giving <laughs> me so many shades of like a Tim Allen in Last Man Standing of like, I don't know how to handle this teenage girl. And he was doing like these ridiculously angry things. We see it there when he has like spats with Joyce throughout the season, <laughs> but then he has like very deeply emotional moments. Like we see when he's writing his letter. So I feel mm -hmm. like if you are saying, Hey, this is a curtain call for David Harbour. He's got a lot to do in the course yep. of this season from both the comedic and dramatic proportion. So I could imagine if we're if we're not you know thinking about the plot armor of it all, I think it would it is it's a respectable way to you know uh, say goodbye to the character. Yeah. Is, it, it, and is Mike happy if he's gone? <laughs> I don't think he's happy because Eleven went because, with yeah, the buyers anyway. Yeah, but he, he he was having problems with you know the you know with him anyway. So That's Joyce seemed a little more laid back. She, no, I guess she, the question is, would you rather be in a good long distance relationship or a troubled close distance relationship? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, that's what I'm saying because I think Joyce she she forgets about her kids half the time, right? Well, so I she, think. No, I think Eleven I think... could be gone for a couple of months, and she'd be like, "Oh, she's just off doing stuff." Here's the thing with Hopper. I think they had their moment where. And again, he kind of had that conclusion where, you know, she is growing up. I can't, I'm not, it, that the relationship's not the same. You are growing up, you are an, a, becoming an adult, and you're able to make your own decisions. So I think, you know, him, when they're all together in the Starcourt Mall, and he says, uh, take care of her, or something like that, when they're leaving, I think that is kind of the passing of the torch, um, saying that, you know, you're okay, we're okay, or whatever. Well, does, not, Mike, I'm not gonna does Mike need to lighten up then? <laughs> you are going in yeah. so hard on this poor kid. Yes. I, I, what I, is... I, I, I can't stand him. Whoa. I think I'll Mike say... was far more enjoyable this season than last season. Way Completely better than emo agree. Mike. I, I would say that LVP of this season by far, and this is not the actor's fault at all, but it's got to go to poor Zombie Boy, to poor Will Byers, because outside of him grabbing his neck every episode <laughs> what did will do the last half of the season he, oh, he cried man. when they he, behind the car he was upset and i felt hey. horrible about that because he was the one in episode three who was like torn to pieces literally yeah. he tore castle byers to pieces over the fact that like all his friends were going apart and he clearly you know did not want to uh to move on the way that they did and that was sort of represented in that but oh, man i just felt like he's such a pivotal role in the first couple of seasons to have him sort of like designated to, Oh yeah. He's going to be like the, the watchman and just signal to everybody when the mind player is there, <laughs> even if he's like 10 feet away and everybody knows that he's there. It's well, sort of think... like, it's just a sucky way to demote maybe, him. Maybe the, what, what drove me uh, against Mike was when they were in the chopper and he were in the truck and he, he kind of cussed him out because having two teenage daughters at one point, if anyone would have talked to me that way, no. You, you, I wouldn't be writing no letter. <laughs> Sounds good, It's really good, fun, Jack. though, because I think, Jack, the reason why you don't like Mike is simultaneously an 
experience you had when you were a teenager and the experience of having teenagers as children. Yeah, because you, you just didn't, I mean, you just didn't, I mean, come on. No, you don't, uh, you don't talk to your girlfriend, uh, dad that way or mom, either way. You just anyway. don't do it. Uh, so, uh, I, moving I did on. With, I did agree with Mike on the, the Coke debate, though. So, <laughs> it's not all hate. I, I'm with you, uh, Mike, about uh, poor Will. And it's almost... But I do also kind of see... Like, Will has been through some shit. Like, season one, season two... Like, the poor guy. I mean, torture after torture. Having to somehow survive the upside down. And then being used as uh, one of the Mind Flayer's puppets in season two. Being possessed, essentially. And then having to be exercised of that demon. Like, maybe he deserved a season of being a little bit more on autopilot. Aside yeah. from the you know the being upset that some of his friends are you know moving on to different things in I, life. I think what hurt me most about uh, about will was the fact that we kept watching him wearing those shorts going man we used to wear those <laughs> god that geez the torn <laughs> jean shorts yeah get some sweatpants there will you're you're bringing back some bad men we thought we were cool but looking back we weren't <laughs> I think wow. for Wilmore too is maybe a, a new hairstyle. Maybe he likes it. I don't know, yeah. but he needs a new hairstyle. I don't know. Hairstyle. I would say that the uh, the Byers boys probably had the least amount to do, even though Jonathan did get involved in what I think, and this will be coming up in an, uh, an episode five podcast I'm doing, is I think that hospital stuff might be like the most horror that yes. Stranger Things has done outside of like Will's actual disappearance in season one. That was yep. between like, the Shining-esque stuff with, you know, yep. Jake Busey and Tom, the editor, following them to, like, the monster becoming alive and, you know, uh, screaming in Nancy's face. Like, there was yep. a lot of scary-ass stuff going on between episode five and six that I really enjoyed. Well, yeah, I was like, going to say uh, earlier, the, the way they were taking both him and Nancy were taking quite the beating. The, the kids today couldn't handle that. Am I right? Well, I don't think I mean, humans he, in he, general he couldn't the, handle uh, it. Uh, he got, uh, Jonathan got hit in the back with that chair. Yeah, it was. I, I mean, that would have broke. It, it hurt my back. I'm, I'm well, watching, he, like, he, yeah, he was hobbling for a little bit, but yeah, I was totally like, okay, I think he might just be like out of commission. But he did really have that really fun moment where, like, very cathartic, I think, for Nancy especially to get to bash in this guy that's been haranguing yeah. her uh, in the newsroom with a with a fire extinguisher, even if he's not actually him. I'm sure. She felt did, super I, good about I, it. I, I did enjoy that part. My teeth hurt, though, when I, during that scene we smashed it with the <laughs> uh, fire truck. But no, I think uh, – I'm glad you brought this up, Mike, because there were just some really cool, you know, horror set pieces, action set pieces, you know, in these last uh, four episodes. Like, the hospital scene was amazing. Uh, you had the uh, uh, L – um, going into uh, actually trying to get into Billy's mind and just like yeah, the storm. I really, and going... really like that imagery because it was less about like, you know, when she did the Terry Ives thing back in season two, it was more so like turning the pages of a storybook. Yep. This was like going through like an interpretive dance that represents yes. his memories. And even though we did get some moments, you know, stuck in there, I think that, and while I will say, I don't know if, uh, you know, Dacre Montgomery's performance in season three makes up for how bad the character was in season two. I think both he did such a stellar job here, and I think they did a really interesting job fleshing out this Billy character uh, yeah, to not only show, you know, yeah, where he's coming from, because we knew that his dad was abusive, but we didn't know the story with his mom, but to also 
give him some humanity, ironically, at the moment where he has like the least amount of humanity at yeah. the end of the season. Well, you ca- you ca- I cared about his death. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want him to die. Yeah. And, it and, was... and, and then when he died, you're like going, oh, come on, Joyce. It was something he did on Lost a lot, like where that you have somebody like, oh, he's the worst. And then they get you, oh, I just like him. I was like, oh, nope, shot. Anna Lucia yeah. shot him. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's what they like attempted to do with like Anna Lucia. But yes. I think that because wasn't her, I'm pretty sure like her lone flashback episode was the big mm-hmm. surprise one where Ma- Michael shot her and Libby. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I liked it. And Jack, I, I was kind of curious to get your thoughts on it. Just because I know you're a, you're like a flashback addict. You just you need a backstory. Like you want to see a backstory. It's like your favorite thing in media. I, I like I like to know. So my wife ha- my wife hates him, but I like to know. I like to re- know more about the character. But this and is a so, really neat way to do it and not have it be like how other kind of flashbacks go. Did you like how it was? I, I like. I think Mike said I loved it. I thought it was great. And it, it actually, you know, you're you're seeing the. At first, I didn't know what was going on. I go, oh, that's Billy. Oh, as a kid, and he's happy. He's his mom is happy, and all this different stuff going on. Then you see the dad, who's very abusive and just and big asshole, and all that different stuff. And you go, "Oh, Billy is is you know." There's a reason why Billy acts the way he does, and there there's a. Uh, I think we talked about in the last podcast when he's in the sauna. I think that was real Billy for a while there. That he he was he was truly upset about what he was doing. You know, no one wants to be their asshole dad if the dad's an asshole. So. Um, Trust me, yeah, I know. So yeah, you know. So uh, <laughs> I I I liked it. I thought it, I thought it was great. I thought it worked great. And it led to this really cool scene where, first off, I was very confused as well at first because when I saw Elle falling back, I thought it was like, oh, now mentally she's like on this beach somewhere, like the mind flayer sent her somewhere away, and that's how he got to her. But you have this really crazy scene where she thinks that she, you know, comes back to reality yes. again. But it turns out right. that, like, she's in, she's still in the sort of, like, netherworld. And here's Billy as the Mind Flayer going into this, like, really creepy monologue of you yep. shouldn't have looked for me because now I see you. We all can see you. Like, you're going to let us in and I'm going to destroy you and everybody yes. else. But the weird thing is he has this, like, tear rolling down his eye. And it's so, such a complicated performance because he's talking with the cocksureness of the Mind Flayer, but with, like, this emotional fear that comes from Billy being the one to say it. And that's mm-hmm. just, I mean, it's walking a really, really thin line, almost as thin as his mustache uh, that I think <laughs> is done. It's done super well. And the fact that, you know, while he does get the typical action hero thing of like getting positively slaughtered and still having, you know, words <laughs> to say on his deathbed, I think the final words of him saying, I'm sorry to Max, considering what we experienced in the storm makes a lot of sense considering that from what we've seen in stranger things, she is the person that he is wrong the most. So if there's one mm-hmm. person he has to make amends with before passing on, it would make sense. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then, so I thought like, again, I thought it was the Billy character last season. We, I think we talked about it. Why is he here? And then now it's just like, okay, this, this was, I thought it was excellent. I thought they did it very well. Well, there, I saw some interviews with uh, Dacre cause he kind of did a bit of the press junket uh, this year. Um, and, he really did want to dig into that and you know because he said he was bullied as a kid and you know when he was approaching this character he really wanted to study why are bullies bullies and that's generally the case you know uh when somebody's a bully it's because they're have been bullied themselves uh and you know that's how they're trying to get out those emotions whatever those are 
I think they did a really good job. They hinted at it last season, but it, it was a really uh, compelling story. And it, to me, there's a lot of 80s influence, but this one, there's a, to me, a lot of uh, Inception uh, influences. When she first mm. hit the beach, I was like, oh, man, are they on like, the fifth level of Inception? Now she's not going to get back. <laughs> And you'd, you'd think that we'd get more of that in season four, but yet another change to the status quo. I think that seems like Eleven lost her powers, yeah. either like the little bit of the mind flare that got into her leg, like sucked it out of her. Maybe she has some sort of like weird mental thing going mm-hmm. on where she doesn't believe that she can do it. But I mean, they better, Mike's relying on Cerebro at this point to talk to <laughs> Eleven because she can't really find him anymore mentally. Well, I think you almost I yeah I think I love the fact not that she was injured and she couldn't do it, but I think we talked about it on the last episode. Uh, she's the cheat code. She's the human cheat code, uh, and it's not very compelling when she can just destroy the bad guy every single time. So um, it was awesome that everyone around her uh, were the ones that kind of had to take on. Uh, the, the bad guys, the big bads. Well, it, it was it was nice her. that store couldn't sell all their fireworks on the Fourth of July. <laughs> Trust it me, was, it happens. I, I've we've been to Target, all these places that are just still chock full yeah, of fireworks. I, I, I yeah, it, but, like, it didn't look like they sold any. When, when would you say, in terms of uh, history, when stores sort of cracked down on it? Because I feel like those types of intense fireworks, and granted, I'm sort of coming from an area of the country that I think cracks down on that. Uh, but I feel like that's something that would be like sold, you know, in a factory in like, you know, a, a much uh, more state that's liberal with those types of laws. I, I feel like nowadays we don't usually see those types of powerful explosives that really could, you know, uh, distract and incapacitate such a big monster in stores nowadays. It's it's state by state. Like you can get those in South Carolina. Like people go to south of the border or below um, on uh, 95 and get the fireworks i know because new york's pretty strict so i know colleen's uncle and her cousin would drive to south carolina to get like the good fireworks when so, i was when i was a kid here people used to go to mexico because california you can't buy them and they'd get their m80s and all their other stuff and drop them in the school toilets and stuff like that they'd go down to mexico and get the fireworks so i think it, it i could especially even in the 80s uh, and I don't know Indiana's uh, fireworks laws, uh, but it, it could very well be. And I know that uh, the Duffer brothers grew up in North Carolina, um, so mm. for them and their perspective, they probably could have got some really awesome fireworks in the 80s. But that brings up another set piece I want to talk about, like just how cool that scene was in the mall, the Battle of uh, uh, Starcourt Mall. Um, and, uh, when all the fireworks are going off, like, that's just a, a to me, it's just like a, a dazzling display of, of Technicolor. Like it was just a really yeah. cool, uh, action. And like so much stuff is going on. And I, I just remember watching for, for the first time and I've watched it again since, but it's just a, a beautiful, horrifying, uh, <laughs> um, experience. I, it was just really cool. I was like, this is amazing. Well, oh, we to- go ahead. Well, we talked about it last time that I think maybe it's the summer or the holiday, but this is a more colorful season Mm -hmm. of Stranger Things. And I think that comes out in both the actual lighting and also the writing. You know, I think there's been a lot of like wackier comedy 
going on in this season of Stranger Things, which I know I enjoyed, even though I think there were maybe some moments that that hit and miss, but that's natural with comedy. But yeah, I mean, I loved the Battle of Starcourt just because you had the flashes with the fireworks, but you had like the blinking red and blue neon mm-hmm. lights. And then once, you know, Billy and Hopper are dead, it's like a nice blue wash yep. over everything. There's a lot of just really cool stuff going on. And I totally agree with you, Jay. As much as I did not want to see Eleven in pain, I feel like, nearly everyone had like something to do mm-hmm. as a result. So it wasn't m- right. so much so, okay, everybody hide behind 11 and she'll <laughs> save us shortly. It's more so like what role is each person going to play in, yeah. you know, completing this mission, no matter how embarrassing some of those tasks may be. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see what other things here. I want to make sure we're kind of coming up on an hour. So I want to make can, sure we can, we, um, can we talk about the Robin thing? Cause I yes. am so intrigued to hear your guys thoughts about that. Um, me, I loved it. I thought, uh, because they're kind of going for the classic eighties trope, like, uh, the popular jock falls for the, yeah, falls for the nerdy girl. She's all bad, right? Yes. Um, and, uh, I love that they kind of didn't go that route where in the show, generally they kind of follow the eighties tropes pretty hard. Um, so I love that they kind of, didn't go that way. Um, and I love uh, uh, Steve Harrington's response. Like, I thought, like, at the end of, I mean, I think we liked him at the end of season one. I think we loved him at the end of season two. And I probably loved him even more uh, at the end of season three. Just, I thought it was just really neat to see their relationship um, and not have it have to be predicated on them being in a romantic relationship, but just being a really good friendship. And I, I, I really loved it. I liked it, but at first I was like, oh, poor Steve just opened up his heart and she doesn't she doesn't love him back. I, then I go, oh, all right, I'm cool with it. Um, yeah, I thought it was, it I kind of teared up myself. I thought it was beautiful. I thought, I mean, this, quite honestly, might have been one of my favorite scenes in the season. And that's pretty crazy that one of my favorite scenes was nothing that involved, you know, uh, monster-based elements or horror-based elements. It was two characters you know, uh, coming down from their extreme high, which caused a lot of really fun <laughs> moments. And poor Dustin and Erica had to be the parents to, like, drag them up. Dustin and, was you know, like, Robin. one thing I know is I'm never going to be a parent. <laughs> yeah, and I loved uh, Erica just being, or Robin just being, like, super tripped out with, like, we're all going to die, little man. I think, uh, <laughs> but I think that's one side of their great performances. And the other one here with Joe Keery and, and Maya Hawk is just how, like, I don't know, like, down to earth, it was, and I think for a show that has started off really grounded and maybe not gone to such grounded places, especially in its third season, it really like hit like a freight train in the best way. And I love that, you know, while this is a send up of the 80s, this is a show that's made in 2019. And we live in a day and age where different types of sexuality are being embraced each and every day. So I'm glad that we took a step here where not a lot of 80s culture was really, you know, including gay characters, especially ones that were not stereotypes. And mm-hmm. the 80s was a very tough time for gay culture. So I thought it was a really cool way to reveal it. Like you said, Jay, I think, you know, we were all waiting, including Dustin and Erica, for the two of them to get together. I thought it was a really fun swerve. And I think that Steve also sort of realized, you know, maybe I don't need a girlfriend maybe i just need a companion and i think between dustin and robin he he's found that and so he's a much dweebier steve than he was even in season two but he's happier at the end of the day 
what I liked about with Steve is in season two, Billy always seemed to get the best of him, right? You know, he was the better basketball player, better. He was just, he was just a better around, but Steve's the one that came back and he hits uh, Billy's car. Keeping, you know, he saves the, he saves the uh, Griswold group. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like, all right, Steve, all right, way to go, Steve. Plus he finally won a fight. He uh, beat yeah. the Russian guy. <laughs> I love yeah, that. And, then, and then got his ass. Yes. I mean, this might be the, I don't know, is it this or Billy? Who who whooped Steve's ass worse? Because I cannot, I know Steve was, his eyes were swollen more when Billy kicked his butt and the kids yeah. like dragged him out to, to find the tunnels. But like, I mean, he got literally tortured in yeah. this season. Oh, yeah. Person. It's it's not a it's not a Stranger Things season without just Steve Harrington getting the crap beat out of him. I go, I go, don't pull the fingernails. No, no, I can't do that. Um, Luckily, he talked. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I I think the Billy beating seemed worse, even though this one was because this was like you know full on Russian dudes punching him full like stop without him being able to like defend himself at all because his arms were tied behind his back. So yeah. I'm gonna coward. say that one's probably worse. Those Russians are cowards. Um, so, well, another part. Speaking of which, I know I expressed my opinions before. Did you guys have any thoughts? Because we obviously found out much more about the Russian operation as we went into their base in the back half of the season. Did Did you have any thoughts about the way they were portrayed here? I thought it was fine, especially in this show where your like main protagonists are kids, teenagers, young adults. Um, that I think it's more, or at least more in theme that. The bad guys or more like cartoonish. Yeah, more like a Hogan's Heroes, uh, Mm, buffoon kind of bad guys. Or like an A team. Yeah. Um, Oh, you know, like stormtroopers in Star Wars that you know horrible shots. You know, just like (laughs) not a true serious threat. Not a a hunt for Red October threat or whatever. Like they're more cartoony, which I thought was fine. And, And and going back to Murray. You know, we said he, how he kind of let his guard down, but he was also upset when Jim shot those Russians. When he when he, he opened up and shot the four Russians that met him at the elevator. Yeah, well, because I think Murray is, you know, if we're going with like D&D tropes, I feel like Hopper is definitely like a ranger and Murray is much more of like a bard. You know, mm-hmm. he's much more of like, a, I'm going to try to sweet talk my way into this without anyone getting her. And then yeah. a great comic moment. Here comes Hopper with a machine gun, just being like, <laughs> I let one Russian go. I'm not letting any more on my watch. I um, love, but I, but I also love how they're, they put on the suits, but they have all the bullet holes with like blood stains yeah. on them. as they're going but, through. But to me, that's perfect because a lot of shows don't do that. But I love how the Russians didn't notice it, but you know. But even but even Hopper grabs some weapons. Whereas, you know, how many mm-hmm. TV shows where where someone has one, like one gun, they kill somebody, they don't grab the automatic weapon or something like that, they'd run without it. And like, grab the weapon. I mean, that's been <laughs> since television was invented. Not a guy who like is obsessed with Miami Vice that or not our Magnum PI that much. <laughs> you feel like he he's learned from the past at this point. Yeah, exactly. Oh man! Uh, oh, can we talk about uh, another really cool scene? Was the funhouse oh. scene and the mirrors and everything like that? I thought yeah. that again, really cool colors. Uh, the first level or the second level with the tiger thing and the the punching bag kind of things, and then the the mirror zone on the third level. I just thought that was a really cool uh, action kind of set piece with Hopper. Yeah, I really do think this back half. I mean, starting with the horror sequence in the hospital, going into like the action sequence in the funhouse. It's just been such a diverse representation of genres in this season in yes. particular, much more so than the first two seasons from what I can personally remember. And yeah, I mean, Hopper 
got to sort of be a badass hero in like yeah. the middle to back half of this season between like him kicking Mayor Klein's ass and yep. being like such a bad comp to kidnapping and, you know, constantly fighting this Russian Terminator <laughs> antagonist. Like Again, <laughs> if, if you're looking for a way to send off Jim Hopper, this would be a way to do it. Yep. You know, a, a, he, he definitely was. A, he, he definitely had a hero's edit. Hero's ending for sure. And, yeah. but again, I think if they would have fully wanted to go for it, then show him disintegrating, you know, um, but they didn't. So I, it's, it's really well, hard it's, to say. It's perfect. It's perfect TV. Even if he's not coming back, you want people thinking he's coming back, right? He comes back at the very last episode of season five, which might be the last season, according to the Duffer brothers. Actually, season four might be the last season, according to the Duffer Joyce, brothers. Joyce, you didn't wait for me? Um, <laughs> and we, and we, I don't think it's been formally announced, but I mean, we're all pretty much in the same boat that this is going to have a season four, right? Uh, it yes. It has to because of the way they left it. And it's so popular. And, yeah, and also the fact that, yeah, apparently like I know Netflix never reports numbers, but I believe, like believe them and Nielsen said this just like absolutely broke any sort of records when it came to television streaming. So yeah. Yeah. I, so uh, they announced the actual viewership, which within four days of its release, Netflix reported that over 40.7 million accounts had seen at least 70% of one episode. Wow. And uh, while 18.2 million had seen the entire season within those four days. That's pretty amazing. And Jack was not one of them. I was not one of them. I, <laughs> I screwed up the whole the whole system. Which, that's that's all, that's insane. Like, to think of an entire season, 18.2 million people watching it yeah. in four days. It's, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, to think that, you know, this is a show where the last season was on two years ago. It's pulling on a lot of nostalgia. And I don't think the second season was as well received as this one. You know, I definitely liked this season more than season two. Maybe it's because I think I talked about this last time. I just have had more fun with season yeah. three. Maybe it was the comedy. Maybe it was the wackier elements. Maybe it was you know, the highs, highs and the low lows when it came to the emotions of it all. But uh, this was a definite step up for me. But I'm surprised that, you know, people were so bought into the franchise that even if they did, were not huge fans of the season or the fact that this wasn't really, you know, in the zeitgeist for a year or so, that they still come back in droves to watch it. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, I think they played it right. You know, because I think even for me like season two like i liked it but it wasn't like oh my god as, as much as i love season one um so i wasn't like going into the season like i we got our time set we're you know we're gonna watch it all in one viewing whatever um and uh but they did i think a really good job with the promotion of it like they kind of dropped a clue last year with the star court mall adv advertisement yeah. And then they did a couple other clips uh, and they did so many cool tie-ins with like Burger King, the Coke tie-in, uh, like even at Target, they had a lot of cool stuff. They had an upside down uh, um, My Little Pony uh, oh, and it had oh, the quote. Oh, interesting. Did, yeah. Was Erica interested in buying one of those considering how well, dirty she is? Well, that was, so it had the quote She's from Dustin about how My Little Pony is nerdy, like on the side of the box. And it's like an uh, it's but it's like a vintage '80s style My Little Pony. Um, I mean, among all this other, I was just like, this is they did such a really good job, I think, in kind of making everybody aware that it was coming back, getting people hyped for it, or and and it seems like all that work paid off with that much viewership coming into it uh, in such a short amount of time, which is insane. 
how do, how do you guys feel? Are I'm I personally think my season rankings right now are one, then three, then two. Yeah. Though, and this is just going off of like knee jerk reaction considering I just watched it, but the season three finale might be my favorite of the three. Yep. Uh, I season one finale I loved, especially that just heartbreaking sequence where Joyce and Hopper find Will in the Upside Down, and mm-hmm. we flash between him trying to bring Will back to life with like his daughter dying right before his eyes in the past. But this just had so much really fun stuff going for it, coupled with a really heartbreaking, yet just so, I don't know, such an important monologue from David Mm -hmm. Harbour at the end. And uh, genuinely stunning way to break apart the status quo that I, it really left things on a high note for me. Yeah, I would agree. Like to me, it was just exhilarating. It was thrilling. Like I loved, uh, you know, when they are hiding out in the movie theater watching Back to the Future, but then <laughs> the the score from Back to the Future, which I think is one of the best scores of all time, then becomes the score to the scene where Dustin's trying to, yeah. you know, get in touch with Mike, but his batteries are low in the walkie-talkie. But it was so perfect how that was just, like, getting you more amped up because that music was also – they. You know, Back to the Future had one of those classic endings where, you know, there was twist, not really twist, but, you know, new thing thrown at him after new thing thrown after other new thing thrown at him to try and get to where he needed to go back to the future. Um, that I, I love that tie into it. And, yeah, I think the all the, the action set pieces in those last four episodes, um, the emotional, the, the story of Robin, uh, uh, Billy's uh, kind of redemption uh, Hopper's, uh, you know, p- possible death. Uh, the the buyers plus eleven splitting up from the main party. Uh, I mean, just there's so much there um, that I think they hit that empire note that they said they might want to hit in uh, mm-hmm. season two, but I think they definitely hit the, that note in in season three, where it is completely different feeling than the end of season one but i i and, and there absolutely could be recency bias there uh but i absolutely loved uh the end uh or the kind of final episodes of the season jack how about you I, I i agree with everything you guys have said i did i did like we haven't really talked about too much the scene with 11 and and Billy, where he's he's repeating what she had seen. Your mother was pretty. You were mm-hmm. this. You're this. The waves were seven feet, and he's just opening up. And he and then he has the hero's death. I mean, I just again, what I say about Billy is I could have cared less last season if he would have died, or even halfway through this season. But at the end, I was like, I don't kill Billy. No, I like Billy. I had a crush on Billy towards the end. So you know, <laughs> Mrs. Wheeler's gonna have to fight, you know, for the uh, affection. But I, you know, it's I, I liked it. I thought it was. And I, I don't think after season two, I was I didn't hate season two like a lot of people, but I I wasn't like, okay, I'm ready for another episode. This one was like, oh, damn, it's done. Yeah, and maybe I, a couple I know years it's going to be at least it. a year before they come back, if not yeah. longer. Yeah. I, I so, feel like, and I feel like we can't not finish our Stranger Things talk without mentioning at least the song. Because yes. I think <laughs> it's, it's a polarizing moment. I personally loved it. I mean, as a fan of musicals, I... I'm always a fan. I know how reality breaking it is to have somebody break into song, background <laughs> music, and split screen included. But I mean, the actors were just having so much fun. It came mm-hmm. out of nowhere, but it really harkens back to like being a nerdy kid and yep. belting out, you know, songs at the top of your lungs with your friends. Dust, with Dusty Bun. With Dusty Buns and Susie Poo. Yeah. Uh, and I loved. 
I, what really made it for me was everyone else's reactions to it. Just yes. them completely like mouth agape <laughs> at what, having to sit through a three minute musical number. I know some people said, oh, it derailed the action, but I thought it was like a really fun, like insanely uh, comedic intermission between these two acts of just absolute nonstop action and horror. Well, how yeah. Dustin didn't want to do it at the beginning. Don't make me do it. And then at the end, he's all into it. Well, I, that's what I think the beauty of it is. Like, and I think it also kind of fit into uh, that kind of uh, nerd quest or whatever. Like, there's always like some type of different activity you have to do to like unlock uh, the key or something like that. So I, I thought it was fun in that sense. Uh, I know um, uh, that they wanted um, uh, the two actors are both have both sung on Broadway. Uh, and they wanted to give uh, the actor who plays Dustin a chance to sing something because he's a, he's oh, really? a very good voice. Um, and they and apparently Susie Pooh's been on Broadway too. Yeah, uh, she, yes. yeah, she was. She was actually Matilda in Matilda at one point. Oh. Um, and apparently they were on nearby sets and they sang the song together and were able to harmonize the song without backing music, um, which you know, kudos to them. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I think it was, I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I know Colleen did as well. I thought to me, it didn't bother me, even though I know I saw on the internet, a lot of people were like really ticked off at Susie, but I, I thought it was fun. And again, everybody back off Susie, uh, back off Susie Pooh. Uh, she had every right to be ticked off at Dustin. Uh, Listen, the, the especially Mormon... when she, when she heard another girl's voice there. <laughs> yeah. Listen, the Mormons face enough, you know, harassment nowadays let's let's lay off of them for this instance shall we uh, but uh oh i mean you know, i so i think suzy not q suzy poo a break <laughs> but uh also i don't think we've talked about it more last episode but i think we also need to just say erica another breakout character i know she had some moments in season two but loved 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 her character this season uh loved her uh joining the scoops ahoy crew uh and just 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 the perfect um, level of sarcasm uh, and calling bullshit on a lot of their stuff, but also being a secret nerd. And I love the last scene where, you know, they give uh, her the Dungeons and uh, Will's Dungeons and Dragons sets um, and maybe her getting invited into the party. But I, I absolutely loved her uh, expanding expansion of that character in the season two. Concur. Yeah. It's so weird because I think Erica was sort of built up as this like, kind of like precocious like she very much sort of filled that rudy huxtable position for a while like mm -hmm. hey the cute little kid who actually is wise beyond her years and you know has sass for days but i thought it was genuinely sweet when dustin and lucas come to her with the dungeons masters you know manual in the box because yeah it's weird to say but it's like i don't know you, you're your heart is torn in so many places by having this group split up because it reminds you of when you had to say goodbye yeah. to friends and it's a lot easier nowadays when everyone stays in contact with each other in so many ways. But back, back when you then, couldn't do that, it's, yeah. it's, you know, I could imagine just how utterly heartbreaking it is. And to have someone ushered in, you know, to help fill the place in their hearts, I think was so surprisingly emotional. And that makes me excited, hopefully, for, for more of her. Because I think she is so no-nonsense. I also loved her batting it back and forth with Murray mm -hmm. in the finale. Yes. <laughs> We're like... Murray, you bald bastard. Well, yeah, Murray certainly has, I think, a know-it-all sense about him, especially <laughs> since he was the one who elected kind of confided in with the blueprints and the mm -hmm. plan in particular. And America's like, no, you know what? I just spent like a whole day down there. I know this a lot better than you do, dude. So follow my lead. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to die. 
Oh man. All right. Well, uh, I think I think it's a good place uh, to kind of close it out here. Uh, again, all in all, I think we all loved it. Excited for the essentially guaranteed season four. From what the Duffer Brothers said, they said four seasons seems too short. Five might seem too long. Um, so I'll be curious to see if they feel like they can end it with one more season. Uh, well, but maybe. Do you think they could do like a fourth season of eight episodes and then do like a fifth season of like four or five episodes? Like so it's almost kind of like ending. four and a half seasons to hit that uh, happy medium. Another show tried that and it got, took a lot of heat. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I don't think it'll be a Game of Thrones situation where, you know, uh, D&D decided to like just peace out without really putting any effort into it. Uh, story-wise, anyway. Uh, I think, yeah, I think maybe like a an eight episode season four, maybe a, f- a two part movie season five kind of thing Ooh. could maybe close it out. If you're, if you're D and D do you end season four, like, okay, it could, this could be the ending and people love it. And you go, okay, we don't have to do a season five. With the you, Duffer Brothers? Mean, do, do you take that? Cause, cause ending a show, there's so much pressure on shows now to end the right way. I mean, cause you know, if you don't do it, social media is going to be all over you. And before most people see it, most people's going to say they hated it. I'm just saying, if I was them, I, I said this with David Lindelof with Leftovers. I, I would play it safe. I would I would have the show season four would end with maybe this is the end of it. If people weren't overly joyed, you know, they'd say, "Oh, this is the greatest." I then I okay, I'm coming to come back for a fifth season and try again. <laughs> but if season four ends great, all right, next I, project. I don't worry about. It. I think they're in the driver's seat. I think. You know, there's definitely maybe it felt a little disjointed in season two, maybe a sophomore slump. But I think maybe they found whatever their North Star is or their guiding voice for, you know, season three. Um, and they seemingly know where they want to go and where they want to end. So if they feel like they can do five seasons, go for it. And if they feel like four is enough, then that's cool, too. I think they're in the driver's seat uh, and the Netflix medium allows them to kind of tell their story however they want to again i was coming from my point of view uh, i'm a coward so <laughs> well, i'm gonna i'm gonna take the easiest way out well i think what you're asking is like will they pull like an aziz ansari who you know did season two of master of love and everyone's like where's season three and he's like you know what i'm good at the place where i left it i don't know if stranger things would necessarily do that i think the yeah. duffers just approach it in a different way i think the movie idea is really interesting just because they essentially promoted season three as an eight hour movie yeah so i don't know i don't know if they'd be able to to pack everything into like an actual movie uh but i think that it's that's an interesting idea i mean we have to get to season four first which might not come until like 2021 at this point when you know they're applying to colleges <laughs> the college years well some of us aren't getting any younger so they, they need to step this um. up well, Mike and I should still be around, so. <laughs> it'll be it'll be uh, Jay, Mike, and Erica are going to be a podcasting <laughs> next change of things. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I, I think. Erica go last so she can give her funny name. <laughs> She'd probably be funnier than Jack's one-liners, that's for sure. <laughs> At least this season we only had two episodes to do, so we didn't have to suffer through that too much. All right. Well, uh, I think I think that'll do it. Uh, you know, stay stay subscribed. Uh, we'll I assume we'll come back for uh, whenever the next season comes out. Nope. Uh, Done. Yeah. 
I know the feed kind of had to be restarted for uh, this season. For, for two podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll still be there. Or you get the whole enchilada. It'll always uh, show up there as well. Uh, com slash iTunes has all of our podcasts. Uh, Mike, I know you are doing an episode-by-episode breakdown. Uh, God bless you for that. Holy crap. But where can people find uh, that wonderful podcast? Yeah, so I am doing an episode-by-episode breakdown with the great Josh Wiggler of The Hollywood Reporter, uh, who also covers Stranger Things there. So uh, at the time we are recording this, as Jack mentioned, we're recording this on National Slurpee Day. I believe tomorrow is when our episode or chapter five podcast should be released. And then after that, we'll be doing chapter six Monday, chapter seven Wednesday, chapter eight Friday. And then we'll be doing a feedback show the next Monday and a little something special to wrap it all up. But I will say to your point, Jay, I really do feel like the back half of the season is when things get pretty crazy in terms of action and plot. And we really start having, you know, we've had a lot of fun with the season so far, but when things go off the rails, so do we in this podcast. (laughs) So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really great to hear everyone's thoughts and feedback as they listen along with us. So I'm excited to go into that. Other than that, I'm, I'm a covering survivor South Africa this summer on Rob has a podcast. And then of course I'll be covering survivor proper once it comes back in the fall i actually was out on location for the preseason of survivor 39 so i have a lot of reflections on that it was a truly amazing time felt like i was in the upside down but a good upside (laughs) down so yeah i'll be on i'm I'm sure i'll have a lot of other stuff to uh you know pimp out on my twitter at a mike bloom type but it was great it was great to you know talk with chat up with you guys for a couple podcasts i'm sure uh and once westworld comes back in 2020 or maybe something else will come out sooner I, i'd love to get the opportunity to chat with you guys again absolutely we always enjoy our time with mike we uh, love having you on and of of course uh check out all of the things that mike does because it's amazing it's way better than anything jack and i do well maybe just jack well, 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 um, after J- jay's comments i'm done this is my last <laughs> podcast do we think that this would be Jack? Is this a good representation of you? Is this a good way for you to go out? Or is this are you Hopper say, exit? I'm I'm ending, I, I, and when people say like this wasn't such a great Jack podcast, you're like I'm just kidding. I'm coming back again. I, I, I didn't get a hero send off. I know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, but uh, I, yeah, I'm, I, the bar, I'm the Barb of this podcast. No, no, <laughs> the you're Barb not the or the Bob. The Barb. <laughs> um. But uh, Wiggler is kind of famous uh, for doing kind of parody covers. Are we going to have a, a never-ending story duet between you and Wiggler uh, at the end of the season? Perhaps. <laughs> and there might be some other stuff. You know, Stranger Things is full of twists and turns. Uh, we don't want to foreshadow things too much. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. I'll let the mystery be, to quote okay. another show. There you go. There you go. Um, Jack and I are going to be in San Diego next week. San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, we're doing. I, someone's already here. Yeah, you're already in San Diego, Jack. But uh, uh, I think we're doing our 14th annual Lost uh, wow. Fans Unite panel. Someone, someone asked if that's the longest running panel right now. Uh, maybe. I don't know. No, there's. I, 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 Kevin I Smith know. has had his for. No, but well, he, he missed but one but year. He's, but he's messed one year. You mess he a year did. that breaks the streak. It does. Last huh? year, like the Nolan Ryan of SDCC. <laughs> Um, yeah, the old, the old Wiley vet. Um, but yeah, uh, it's this time it's on Thursday morning, 11 a.m. I think it's one of the first panels of the show of Comic-Con. Uh, we'll be at the library again. 
And uh, they're doing panels all over the place in downtown San Diego. I know they're doing it at the Horton Grand Theater, uh, the Bayfront Hotel. I mean, they're all over the place. So, uh, so we could have panel... been put further away? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, right, so, uh, so stop complaining, Jake. Yeah, I'm fine with it. You're the one that's, that complains. But uh, Joe Garfine uh, from Joe Opinionated uh, and Cancer Gets Lost will be there. She also has a lot of goodies that Carlton Cuse gave her that was too much for. Uh, or too many things for her auction that I think she's doing this year. So she's bringing some prizes to give away uh, at Ooh. the panel. Can I get? Um, can I get one? No. Uh, oh. So <laughs> man, this is just a lose lose for me today. <laughs> don't miss out on that. Uh, Ralph uh, Apple from uh, the Darmalars podcast, as well as the Kaiju podcast, uh, is going to be moderating it. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, and it, I think, yeah, since the last Lost panel, the official ABC one in 2009, uh, we've been the lone Lost panel representing every year. So come check it out. We always get a good crowd. Always a lot of new uh, Lost fans. Like people are just started watching off of Netflix or I guess now it's on Hulu. Um, so it's it's always cool to meet new fans of the show because uh, it feels like well, something that happened. That's the fun that thing happened. about it, too, because I, I do think that like shows that like Lost and Sopranos and The Wire sort of like – predated the peak tv era that started in the late 2000s and so i i have seen a lot of people all you know say on social media like oh yeah i got into like game of thrones and mad men and you know breaking bad maybe i should get into lost because i heard a lot of stuff about that so yeah it's a crazy phenomenon i wonder yes. if like stranger things will become that maybe like, 10 years down the line absolutely i think so i don't see why not it is it's just very especially for jack and i that we were so in it we were so in that uh moment in pop culture uh and it's just weird to you know that was 10 almost 10 years ago that it ended um and uh it's it's, it's very trippy uh for people that are just joining it now but it happens all the time uh and yes. it's stranger things is a classic case of uh, you know, properties and stuff being so influential uh, decades later uh, and still being very relevant today. So um, definitely check out you can check the programs there. Lost Fans Unite, 11 a.m. Uh, at the San Diego Public Library. Don't be uh, late. Don't be late. Next, next Thursday or this coming Thursday because this is Thursday today. Anyway, yeah. uh, thanks, Tack from Tokyo, Eckhart Richter, uh, Maggie the Magnificent, Joanne with the Plan, Drake the Destroyer, and Ed the Creepy Mailman. Thank you to all of our patrons. You can become a patron today by going to patreon.com slash jnjack. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash group. And again, check out jnjack.com for all of the other shows uh, that are on our network, uh, Ramblecast After Dark. And uh, broadcast going strong, as well as uh, Broad Little Lies, uh, Big Little Lies podcast from the broadcasters. Uh, and uh, Mike, your lovely wife, uh, guest hosted last week, I think. Yes, uh, and I believe this week, spoiler alert, a very much sought out goal on Broad Little Lies was finally accomplished. Uh, I have yet to Ooh. see the episode or listen to the podcast, but I'm That's right. very, very excited to hear some uh, possible behind the scenes intel from this week's episode. Yes, the Shandy Watch. Uh, concluded or we finally got to see shandy uh in this past episode one of the hosts on the show got to be an extra uh but they actually pulled her in and had her do uh an actual scene uh with the actors um so it was pretty neat uh, i think that's this week's episode that they talked about it so uh check it out and uh all right that's it we've rambled on long enough we'll see you guys next time hasta luego and goodbye
Bye. Do zbytania. <laughs>